0: Listening to the New Century Multiverse, The Princess Thieves. Chapter 22 A Long Awaited Clash. Oberon awoke with a start in the early hours of Saturday morning. All was quiet and black outside. The safe house was deserted. His first impulse was confusion and disorientation, for there was very little available to indicate what time, or indeed what day it was, or just what had transpired during his sleep. He began to wonder if it was, in fact, just a very boring and dark dream. His next response was anger and indignation at being deliberately excluded from proceedings, followed by intense worry that something had gone horribly wrong. He hauled himself groggily to his feet and lumbered downstairs to the street. For a moment he considered making his way over to Mortimer's house to see if the band had regrouped there. Perhaps Gwendolyn and Viola were still with them but his concern for the hoods overrode that unlikely scenario and he made his way slowly across London to the Thirsty Hog. He found not a single light there, which was unusual for Scarlet, who tended to run things round the clock, with hoods passing in and out during the more shadowy hours when dark deeds were afoot. He went in through the back to find the whole place had been turned over. Chairs and tables flung aside, windows smashed, cellar gutted, false wall uncovered. Bedrooms awry and not a soul inside. There were scorch marks here and there. It was frankly miraculous the pub had not been burned down. There was no robin, no scarlet, no hoods, no Ajax. Oberon sat in silence for a long while before picking up a table and a chair and putting them back to their places. The rest of the furniture followed and the broken pieces went into the yard out back. He slowly, methodically, cleared through the place, and all through the quiet hours, as the world outside went from charcoal to grey to blue, and the sun began to rise on Saturday, Oberon tended to the restoration of the Hog. Then at nine, when he considered himself finished, he cooked a breakfast, consumed it mechanically, and went out into the city to attempt to glean as much information on the events of yesterday from whomever he could find. Oberon learned that the reward on his own head had gone up considerably and had to evade the watchmen several times, resorting to a very bulky collection of rags for a disguise. He learned that the princess had been returned in exchange for a handsome reward. He learned that Mortimer was not at home today and nobody had seen her. He learned that Robin had been taken nearby, summarily tried and convicted within an hour, and brought publicly to the Tower of London, marched roughly down the street for all to see. He learned that the Thirsty Hog had been taken shortly afterwards by Captain Baltus himself, who had received word of their private industrial dealings, illegally funded through stolen goods. Oberon worked all the harder to root out who could have revealed this information and whether it was for their own gain. The factories had been closed down, and all the workers taken to the tower as well. He learned that many of the craftsmen in the city had been summoned to the tower along with carts full of timber and that right now enormous multi-tiered gallows were being constructed in the execution yard. Somehow worst of all, when he made it down to the barge moorings on the Thames, he learned that the Albanian family, the Dragushas, were no longer there. Word was that their newest little girl, Lavinia, had possessed a particularly fine doll that had been spotted in a market by the young Lady Imogen, daughter of the Marquis of Chiswick. There had been a terrific row which the Dragushas had come off the worst for, and all seven of them had been rounded up and taken to the tower as well. Fortunately, Veronica had been returned to her original owner, so justice was served. By sundown, he had taken about as much bad news and despair a person can, and found himself back at the Thirsty Hog. Inside, he lit the lamps, opened the doors, and slumped down at a table with several flagons of mead, becoming increasingly bitter with his subsequent inebriation. Around seven bells, he was joined at his table by a familiar, lithe figure, who had poured herself a glass of old pulteney scotch from a bottle she was surprised to find nestling behind the bar of such a humble tavern.
1: Why the long face?
0: Mortimer drawled at Oberon, who did not look up.
1: Nothing? Oh, surely I can say something in the next few minutes to ring your bell.
0: (sighs) Oberon sighed quietly and took another swig.
1: You know... I have a brother, Calvin. He's a jolly sort. He and I used to be inseparable. Twins, you know. I could always depend on an intelligent conversation with him. We explored all of Surrey together. None of the other children liked us. Last I heard, he'd reached the rank of commander and went off to explore the Americas. I do miss old Cal, so I can understand why you might miss your friend, or your brother. I can reunite you, if you like. The bounty on your head is pretty hefty, and since you seem intent on drinking yourself to death tonight, we may as well come to some arrangement that would be mutually beneficial.
0: Oberon finally looked up at her, but all she saw in those eyes was sadness and regret.
1: Oh, come on, you great lunk. I'm the one who sold Robin down the river, profiteering from his capture. Surely you want to strike me dead on the spot. Come on, I can take it. No? Nobody here appreciates the dubious merits of a good strangling?
0: There was a long silence broken only by Oberon knocking back more mead and the tiny sloshes as Mortimer turned her whiskey in her glass and dully studied its fiery colors.
1: The truth is, I didn't know I was being followed and by the time I realized it, they were surrounding us. My mind must have been elsewhere. There's no chance they could have got the drop on Mortimer Wilson a week ago. But I've, I've come back to see If there's anything I could do. And now we could do. However, I can see you've entirely given up, so I suppose I'm going to have to run this suicide mission all by myself, as per bloody usual.
0: (gasps) A fist slammed her face to one side and Oberon gave a start as he realised they were not alone. Gwendolyn and Viola had entered the hog behind them and Gwen was now grabbing Mortimer by the scruff of the neck.
1: You treacherous bitch! That's more like it.
0: The bounty hunter stood and shoved Gwendolyn back, wiping a trickle of blood from her scarlet lips.
1: Come to avenge your merry man, I can see he's made quite the impression.
0: (laughs) Gwendolyn grabbed her by the coat and flung her across the pub. Mortimer twisted in the air and bounced nimbly from the wall, rebounding to kick the princess smartly across the face, (laughs) landing in a complicated spider-like manoeuvre, which entangled their legs and sent Gwen crashing to the ground. Mortimer rolled on top and began to beat down on her. Gwendolyn trapped the bounty hunter's arm and flung her sideways, smashing an oak table in the process. It happened to be the table Oberon was sat beside, but he kept a firm grip on the flagon as the wood fell away and shortly offered a swig to Viola, who had perched beside him. Are you going to intervene?
1: Oh, heavens no. She only asked me to give her red hair tonight to conceal who she was. And that's all I'm doing.
0: The brawl spilled out into the street as Gwen flung Mortimer towards a horse trough.
1: You scheming, heartless, money-grubbing, two-faced snake! You obstinate, clueless, condescending old sow!
0: An array of gadgets came out of Mortimer's coat and were swatted and kicked aside until she got a good jab in with the electric prod.
1: So, did you just... (laughs) I will shove that thing up your... How are you two back here again?
0: Viola explained in swift detail how and why they were there. Oberon began to feel a little fire burning at the prospect.
1: Well, uh, we went to find you back at the safe house. Dropped off an evil hypnotist while we were there. And reasoned you'd come here. I'd had enough of sleeping. So you figured you'd start drinking? The situation looked hopeless. Looked? As in the past tense? There may be a little hope for us now.
0: In the street, Mortimer used a grappling hook to propel herself towards the rooftops. But with an almighty leap, Gwendolyn caught her boot heel and sent her crashing to the pavement, where they continued to roll around, slamming against one another.
1: Why don't you get your nursemaid to put me to sleep like she did that green haystack? Frightfully sorry about that. Hey, I'm still here because of you. Always hiding behind your oh-so-special friends. At least I have friends. I have plenty of friends. She doesn't. No wonder you couldn't pull that sword. So very erroneously convinced of your own moral superiority. She was. But I know the truth. You don't want to confront.
0: Mortimer pulled hard on Gwendolyn's hair and scratched her face, making her yowl in pain.
1: Ah! You and that Loxley chap were both putting on grandiose theatrical acts, convincing the world of your purity and selflessness, when really you know deep down that everyone is just as selfish and greedy as the next person. That's the difference between us. When I come across the tiny pockets of people who aren't greedy and selfish, now I can finally recognise that as precious. So you know what, you mouthy tart? I actually feel sorry for you.
0: This didn't go down at all well. Mortimer screamed and threw her weight against Gwen, slamming them against a wall as she commenced with pounding her body. But Gwen was more than used to this kind of treatment and now the wiry lady was within the princess's grip, she could overpower her with sheer strength. However, she could feel that old stamina problem creeping back. She had to grit her teeth to keep going, kneeing Mortimer in the crotch and gut punching her to knock the wind out. The bounty hunter used the reeling back motion to unholster her pistol and press it to Gwen's forehead. The two locked eyes, Gwen's fierce and bright, Mortimer's hurt and scared. Viola gave a start forward. It seemed like this mad woman might actually pull the trigger.
1: How could you do that to us? I didn't, all right!
0: Curtains had been pulled aside in the houses around them, and people were peering out of windows and gathering on the street corners to watch these two furious women grapple so spectacularly. There were already mutterings about Lady Catherine being back. But clearly she couldn't be the now-returned princess, so who was she? The watchmen had been called and were approaching. Mortimer lowered her gun.
1: I had every intent of handing his share of the reward over. I frankly don't need the extra money anyway. Who do you think I spend it on? Yourself. That's all you care about? Toppycock! I'm standing here offering my help to you for free for the first time in my life. That's what I was saying to that great oaf before you came wading in with your big fists and your giant tits! Oberon? She's telling the truth. At least she thinks she is. If she's not, she's just plain crazy. So you'll assist us in our rescue? Just that. Just so we're square and you can stop blaming me for what went wrong. Fine. Thank you. But we're not coming with you, you're coming with us. We've less than 13 hours left now. Time enough. Ow. To see my private physician. I'll pay for your treatment. He's a good man and thorough. We won't get far if we can't get these wounds cleaned and dressed and bones reset. I... ow. Is he far? No, follow me.
0: Oberon quickly closed down the hog, glaring back at the scene of renewed devastation in there before he blew out the lamps. Then he, Viola, and Gwendolyn followed the bounty hunter on swift, quiet, limping feet through the streets to the house of her physician, who was indeed a good man and thorough. Later that night, they passed through the gate, posing as farmers, and Oberon led an unfamiliar horse, carrots having been repossessed by the watchman, down the dark roads of this other world once again. This time Viola and Gwendolyn were unafraid. This time the forest, no matter how tangled and intimidating, was a place of sanctuary. This time the ruins of Camelot were their last desperate hope. Gwendolyn hopped down as soon as the cart drew to a standstill, and yelled into the night.
1: melaine Please, please please still be here.
0: You have been listening to The Princess Thieves. Written, produced, directed and edited by Alexander Shaw. With a full cast. Mortimer, performed by Sharon Shaw. Princess Gwendolyn, performed by Theo Lee. Oberon, performed by Matt Wardle. Viola, performed by Loretta Saylor. Robin, performed by Alexander Shaw. The Princess Thieves theme was Arrival by I. Sazanov of Shockwave Sound. Teller of the Tales, Dance of Questionable Timing, Bushwick Tarantella, Chase, Impending Boom, and Angevin, composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com many soundscapes provided by tabletop audio and ASMR rooms The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode so thank you to Aaron LeCluze Abel Savard Alex Brewington Angus Lee Benjamin Hoffer Brian Novak Cassandra Newman Chris Finnick Christopher Wolf, Kieran Dashler Connor Kennedy Dan Mayer Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow. Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas hario Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And if you are already supporting New Century on Patreon, go to the front page and the overview section. Look at the top right-hand corner. Make sure you're signed in. There should be an RSS feed link there. Copy the link paste it into your podcast app where it asks you to find shows manually and you can subscribe to the bonus patreon only podcast feed which i'm currently calling alexander shaw's audio club so that's basically a whole nother podcast feed that only patrons can access and this allows you to listen to all that stuff that gets put up on patreon without having to go straight there and like listen to it while you're sat looking at the internet you can listen on your phone Depending on your level, you can get access to all the making of material, like the Behind the White Scarves chat sessions between me and the actors, which are going to be coming off the podcast feed and will be there from now on. There's also a bunch of School of Movies related bonus materials on there. That's if you're at the $5 level, and the full audiobooks if you're at the $10 level. It's really the best place to be to get access to everything I do. Next week, something special. Oh, and you want to make sure you download the podcast for The Lion King from School of Movies, because that will have the premiere of the trailer for Steep Heart.